Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is not true. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. It is our goal to promote a knowledge to you that is engaging and transforming. And for us every week, every time we do the show, it is our hope, it is our desire, it is our intention that every time we do this show, that you are uh, challenged to impact the world around you. That's what we desire to do. That's what we try to do. That's what we hope we are and have been doing all over the, the time we've been on this radio show. But anyway, you're always welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. And there's several ways you can do that. The primary way, if you want to get your thoughts, insights, commentary, dialogue, whatever it is, on the air, live, you can do so by calling the number 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get that uh, your thoughts on the air live. Also, you can join the chat room. The chat room is open. And you can go in there, uh, go to blacktarradio.com slash zero today, get into the chat room, I invite you to share your thoughts there. If you don't want to be on the air, it's fine. Also, Join us on our social media. We are on Twitter. Uh, uh, this show Twitter handle is at Zero Radio, and the my personal Twitter is at Prophesy. We're also on Facebook. Of course, I'm on Facebook as Lorenzo Neal, and you can find me there, Lorenzo T. Neal. Don't get me confused with the football player. You know, I always get that. <laughs> People search for me, and they just put Lorenzo Neal, and it comes up with the former football player. And I got a chance to meet him a long time ago when he was playing for the Saints. But I digress. <laughs> it's Lorenzo T. Neal. You got to do the Lorenzo T. Neal because, you know, that's, that's how we distinguish each other. Uh, but anyway, go to my Facebook page, uh, Lorenzo T. Neal. You uh, see me there. And um, 
Also, the show Facebook page is the Zero Network on Facebook. You can go there and um, share your thoughts there, commentary, whatever you want to do. Uh, uh, listen also archive shows. Also, uh, I am on Periscope. Prophesy four. P r o p h e p s i four. So you know, every now and then I, I do a little prayer. Periscope broadcast, so you can catch me there. And any other social media I may have missed, I'm sure we're on there. But we thank you for joining us. Going to be talking about uh, it's the black church, the cause of black problems or black lives, the conditions of black lives. Um, and that comes on the heel of a protest that happened in Detroit over the weekend. We'll talk about that. But uh, also going to be talking about uh, this issue that came up with a North Carolina pastor and you know, his non-disclosure. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about some of those, those two things, but that's what we're going to be driving on. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we do anything. Father, we say thank you for the day, your grace and your mercy that kept us. I personally thank you, Father God, for watching over me. So slept slumber. Thank you for keeping me. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be found acceptable in your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, there's a lot going on, and I, uh, I, 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 I don't have enough time to talk about everything. First of all, I mean, here in Mississippi, the weather is crazy, and um, my sinuses are reflecting it. So bear with me, man. I tell you, I, I you know, I tossed and turned all last night because I was so congested, and and I'm a bit congested now, and I'm on drugs, so you can imagine how that's working out. <laughs> But uh, we're going to try to do the best we can. And, uh, you know, I'm not too doped up, just you know, just so you know. I, I am a bit <laughs> not too hallucinogenic. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, I came across some news today. Well, not news, but if you're not, if not aware, uh, Kurt Franklin just dropped his uh, his latest album. Uh, he came out with the single last month, the single, or earlier the fall. It was a single called I'm Happy or something like that. And um, and um, the title of the album is Losing My Religion. And and he 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 intentionally has gone on a promo for this for this uh, particular album. Uh, stating that Christians need to stop being Christians and need to develop a relationship and not be religious, and there's a, there's some merit to that, and you know, and uh, it's one of those uh, church phrases that we like to drop, you know, every now and then. It's not about religion; it's about relationship, and yeah, and that's and that's true. And um, uh, we we believe in a some type of personal connection and uh, relationship. As a matter of fact, I've heard it said. From the you know when as some preachers were giving an altar call or an invitation, um, they say you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus, and I don't. That's not in scripture, uh, but it sounds good. It it really does sound good, um, and so a lot of a lot of people feel that they uh, <laughs> have missed out because they don't have a that that sense of relationship, and and it's hard to define what that what that is anyway, you know. Because and I've written about this on several occasions, and I I I, I try to help people uh, understand religion is as about subjective as as anything is. 
uh, it's the most reject, uh, subjective experience an uh, individual could have. Uh, you could be in the same church, and you know I'm sure plenty of you, my listeners have witnessed this, experienced this. You know, be at the same church, listen to the same sermon, and have different takeaways from that. Be in the same church, listen to the same song, and some people would get happy and express it in various ways, and other people just sit down like they're unaffected. But they're moved on the inside, you know. <laughs> they're moved on the inside, but they they don't they may not express it outwardly. And my I got folk in my church like that, you know. They they'll clap every now and then, but uh, you know, if the spirit is high, to some people they'll just sit there. They'll be they'll be feeling it, but they'll never express it. <laughs> and I never forget one time I saw one uh one of my senior members got excited during the service. And when I say he got excited, I was like, oh my God, this is real. This man does not react in service. You know, he's one of those staunch, uh, dignified members. But to see him express uh a a, a reaction to the moving of the presence or the spirit or whatever you want to call it. There's so many catchphrases, corn phrases nowadays. I, I, I can't even keep up. But he 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 gave into uh, his subjective religious experience during that particular Sunday. And I, I tell you, that moved me so much because I knew that was God. <laughs> but everybody ain't like that. But anyway, so there have been some people who who were questioning when it says losing my religion. Was he was he talking about not being a Christian or, you know, was he, you know, some were thinking that he was becoming an atheist. But, you know, I think the intent is is good <laughs> and it's catchy, of course. And they, they're trying to sell albums. That's what it's all about, you know. Um, but the reality is there are already a lot of people who are trying to lose their religion and, and not in the sense that Kurt Franklin is presenting it. They're not trying to be religious uh, they're trying to be non-religious, and that that segment of uh, the religious population is growing, the nuns, and it's growing in the black church. Now, uh, Pew study released a um, a Pew released a study earlier this year, uh, pretty much said that while a lot of the uh, Protestant churches, particularly the mainline ones like the Methodist and Episcopal and Baptist, etc., while a lot of those segment groups in, in um, predominantly white segments of the population, they're declining. In the black church, we're pretty much staying the same. We may, you know, it's, it's, I, I think if I can remember c- correctly, it was less than a, uh, less than one-tenth uh, of the population, you know, black people who are choosing to be non, to identify as non-religious, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't have uh, direct facts for that, and not on me anyway. Excuse me. Uh, uh, I think Kirk is doing well by by broadening this. But then again, he he's always kind of stretched the boundaries of uh, the religious gospel expression. Musically, he's already done that. Um, on uh, and and some people have praised him for some people have praised him for it, and some people have 
<laughs> just despised him for it. Uh, um, it it depends on how you see it and how you experience, how you choose to have that subjective religious experience. As a matter of fact, I'm writing a paper right now on the um uh the uh uh unpersonal the uh personal gnosis ex experience and well I I'll talk about that later on because I don't I don't have it pulled up. I have to pull it up. It's it's a scholarly paper I was writing about and really picked my interest. But anyway so uh, so he's getting a lot of attention for that and um it, it's a good i i've listened to a couple of tracks off the album i haven't purchased the album i haven't purchased uh, <laughs> anything from Kurt Franklin in some years so but i i have listened to some tracks and I, you know it's, it's some nice music i my thing is um i've always been like uh, almost like a gospel purist uh from the <laughs> From the days of the onset of the gospel choir, you know, late the uh, late seventies. I mean, the uh, late sixties and seventies with uh, the likes of um, Tommy Dorsey. I mean, uh, uh, Reverend Dorsey, who James Cleveland. Um, uh, what's the guy? In Chicago. He started Fellowship Church. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Reverend Clay. Uh, um, and the others. There's so many. Milton Bronson, those guys, you know. And, and you you saw over the decades how their move, how their, their music kind of evolved to reflect the current trends and a lot of secular styles into their music. Uh, and, and I guess it worked. It worked for them. They still maintain the idea of a differentiation between gospel music and secular music. So much so, when R. Kelly came on the scene in uh, in the nineties, people were accusing him of, <laughs> of of basically being a gospel musician. Cause you know he he was you know he he played for church or something like that. But uh, in his earlier music, he used basic gospel chords. That's you know he used that. Uh, of course, if you go into the history of gospel music, you know that Dorsey used blues chords and infused a few blues chords that cre- that created what we now call gospel. Anyway, that was that has absolutely nothing to do. Just <laughs> sure I I know too much, but anyway. So we're seeing how that's going to react. But I saw a video of G. Craig Lewis. If you're not familiar with G. Craig Lewis, he's a uh, a uh, semi-apologist basically goes on um, deconstructing quite a few things uh, that he feels uh, has been plaguing uh, the modern church from his perspective. Now, he's uh, his background is Church God in Christ, um, and he got the fame in uh, the early 2000s by with this hip-hop series that he taught on. You know, and demonic things, or what he thought was demonic hip hop. I don't know, but anyway, so he he released a video um, um, talking against what Kurt Franklin is saying, and you can go to I think it was on uh, the old Black Church. There's a video there you can go see. 
uh, but it, but anyway, oh yeah, speaking of that, speaking of that, I came across a video this morning that I, uh, I was like, wow, really, and I know many of you probably heard this song by Drake, cell phone thing. I can't think of uh, cell is it cell phone bling? Okay, yeah, yeah, cell phone bling. So. And there have been several parodies. Probably the most famous parody of that is the one with uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, Sanders, who is a candidate for uh, Democratic candidate for president. He 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 did a, a parody of that, dancing to it, and so he you know he kind of made it a little famous. But there is a video that has a I don't know if it's I don't know what to call them, but it's a group. I don't know, is there a praise team? I don't know what it was or who they are or what church they are affiliated with or if it was at a conference or something like this or a special occasion. Anyway, they gospelize that. Uh, and uh, basically they just use the tune and put gospel words to it, uh, or words that would fit within the gospel music genre. You know, made it sound worshipy and all that stuff. Throw worship in there, and boom, you got gospel music. And I'm, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing, but that's what it was. So I, I saw this, and um, I think I shared it on my Facebook page. So you can go to my page. Um, I don't know where else is online. I, I found it on on Facebook. Someone shared it with me. But anyway, you could go there, and you'll see it. And the discussion is. Uh, is this is this is this conducive for a worship environment? And my opinion is no. Just person, I I don't I you know I'm my background is in music. I was a secular uh, wannabe secular jazz you know performer. I played jazz. I, I guess you can say professionally because I did get paid. I was an amateur, but you know every now and then I have gigs. I have session musician. So uh, you know I. I understand the idea of blending genres together to create wonderful music. And every now and then, you know, uh, is is a good thing. Now, when it comes to lyrics, it's a different thing. And this thing has been going on for centuries because Bach, uh, even Jazz Bach, took some secular music and and he would put uh, text, either poem, Christian poems or uh, writings by church fathers or hymns uh, that he created you know scripture and things like that he would take that and he would put it to secular what was then secular music because anything that was not directly endorsed by the church the Roman Catholic Church was secular and basically uh, all patrons were you know they were cardinals they were priests they they had the wealth enough to support and be patrons of these are these musicians and composers during the Renaissance area, the classical area, you know, what you know, uh, classical music and and following. It's not the case now, but it was the case uh, during that time. So the argument it's always been you know uh, secular versus uh, Christian kind of thing going on over the last at least four or five hundred years. But anyway. Uh, I I don't know if I would allow it. If I had heard it, I'd, I'd be like, no, dude, don't don't do that in here anymore. But that's neither here nor there. I I I wouldn't 
But the question is, you know, well, it's keeping our young people, it's getting the young people in the church, and it's, it's you know, we, we got to reach out to them. And I'm like, uh, they didn't do that when I was growing up. When I was growing up, they simply made us come to church and sit in church and listen. And eventually, if we listened long enough, we heard and responded to the gospel message and we got saved. You know, I grew up in a traditional Baptist church and it wasn't much different from the Methodist church that I serve in now, really. You know, we didn't have drums. We had an organ. We had the, the chimes and bells, you know, on the organ. And I loved that every time we <laughs> we would sing a particular, uh, we would do the Lord's Prayer uh, chant. And the musician would do the chime, bing. And, man, I tell you, I, I loved every time we did that. Our Father, which art in heaven, bing. Hallowed be thy name. <laughs> I'm having too much fun with that. But anyway, I, 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 and I, I said this in my post. Uh, when, when we're talking about worship environments, man, it, it, worship is not about us. It's not about how we feel. It's not about the groove. It ain't about the music. It's about him. And if you're really serious about worship, you would do it in silence. You do it in reverence. You would come. And and as we say in Methodism, you enter with silence. There's supposed to be nothing but going. And we start our service off most in most cases. The Lord is on His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. You know, and that's supposed to set the tone for reverent worship. And then you process in and do all the, you know, all the pomp and circumstance. But today's contemporary church, and even my church, we every now and then we fall prey to this. You know, we we have to feel something because we have this idea in black church. I wouldn't serve a God I couldn't feel sometimes. And the problem with feeling is that it um it can be very very elusive and um and and, and um subjective. But anyway, I digress. I want to talk about this Steve Furtick guy. Um. Steve Furtick is the pastor of Elevation Church in North Charlotte, North Carolina, and has been deemed one of the fastest growing churches in the country. And there's another one we're going to talk about in a little bit that claims the same thing. But anyway, uh, he recently sat down with a reporter in Charlotte, and one of the questions that came up was about his salary. And he said that he doesn't feel... Uh, that it would please God for him to disclose his personal salary, what he gives, or how much he receives. He said he he can't stop his other staff members from doing so, and he said so I'm freely disclosed, um, but he doesn't think uh, Jesus would be pleased if he disclosed um, his income. Now. I, and, and the reason he gave was basically when Jesus uh, speaks in uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, he said, uh, when you give, you know, don't let anybody know what you're giving, but giving your secret, you know, and the one who sees in secret will reward you openly. So that's his uh, that's his his uh, understanding of that, why he, he doesn't have to disclose. Now, he lives in a million-dollar house, and 
uh, it's estimated that his church um, brought in, the members gave, uh, they give $500,000 a week, which is roughly, what, about $23 million a year? I'm I'm off on math, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, they give about that much. And um, he doesn't have to disclose any of that. His personal finances, he doesn't have to disclose. Um, uh, his travel expenses, he doesn't have to disclose. And we're going to talk in any of that. And that's, that's part of the problem with the church that a lot of people have because they're tax exempt. And they don't have to disclose, make any financial disclosure to uh, members or to the government. And that's how, you know, what about five, uh, was it about five, six years ago? Not longer when they had uh, Senator Grizzly Grassley held that investigation for Creflo and all those other guys that he deemed George Meyer, Paula White was on the list that they deemed was was um, getting wealthy off the backs of members. It is what it is. Anyway, so, and I have some friend, I have some acquaintances who are affiliated with his church, and they they were really upset, one by the article and two by the outlash. And they couldn't understand. They felt like he was attacking him, and that's the problem, you know. Why are they attacking him? Why are they harassing him? He doesn't want to show them. He don't have to show them. And I had explained to them, I said, um, Jesus was transparent, you know. There were things he he disclosed when Judas, who was a thief, made the disclosure that, Master, you know, we got enough money in here, and uh, we got plenty of money in our treasury, but that woman who just anointed your oil, your your feet with that sacred stuff, that alabaster, whatever it was, oil, we could have taken that and, and did a whole lot with it. So, you know, he, in so many words, of course, it does say that Jesus, Judas only said that because he was a thief. <laughs> uh, and I guess, and I guess they're implying that, and this is what a lot of the antagonists for this, you know, against this argument, uh, Ferdick's argument, were saying that, well, you must be a thief if you don't want to let us know. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. I'm going to take a quick break blow my nose, do all this other stuff, and then we're going to get back into the uh, topic. Is the black church the cause black lives or something to that nature? <laughs> so take this quick break and be back right after this. Quicksilver. 
a cash back card from Capital One. It's not the limit to cash I earn every month card. It's not that I only earn decent rewards at the gas station card. It's the no games, no signing up, everyday rewarding, kung fu fighting, silver lightning in a bottle, bringing home your bacon cash back card. This is the Quicksilver card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase, everywhere, every single day. So ask yourself, what's in your wallet? Hey, what are you doing today? I'm backing up the computer. Photos, work files, you name it. Lovely. See you in a few hours. get everything backed up? Took care of it. For just $59.99 a year, Carbonite backs up your irreplaceable files automatically so you don't have to. Try it for free at Carbonite.com. At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Off to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. With the Name Your Price tool, you tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flowbot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh. Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. Welcome back to Zero of the Day. Again, I'm your humble host, congested with sinus host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And we're glad that you're joining us on this wonderful Wednesday morning. And I hope it's well where you are because uh, it's, 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 uh, it's all right. It's fall, and we're good fall weather. Uh, so, listen, want to put a plug in real quick. If you are in the South Louisiana area, anywhere in that area, I want to take this time to invite you to go out to the St. John Baptist Church in Kinder, Louisiana. They are having their Thanksgiving revival beginning on tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, the Reverend Dale Sanders Sr. is the pastor. Uh, Lady Jocelyn Sanders is the associate there. And, uh, of course, you know, if, if you've been listening to my show, you know she has her heat-centric products. But anyway, they are putting this great on, uh, this great revival on Um it's unique in that it's not just a revival, but it's also an outreach uh, service. They literally have taken in donations. They've taken in both fiscal, financial donations, uh, clothing, food. And during the three days, the three nights 
uh, three days of this revival tonight, tomorrow, and Friday, they will be going out into uh, the surrounding community and communities. There's a lot of little small towns around there. Uh, and they will be uh, ministering and, and, and by showing thanks to, give to God for the gift that they have received and, uh, and you know, just being a blessing to the community. So I thought I'd put that plug out there. Uh, so if you're wherever you are, I think they're even going to be able to have it live stream or something like that. But um, if if you're not able to make it, say a prayer for St. John Baptist Church there in Kinder, Louisiana. Reverend Dale Sanders and his faith community will be having a Thanksgiving revival and outreach service. So just put the plug in for there for them and that church. And if you uh, is the season of giving, and I hope that you are are giving and, you know, doing what you can to be a blessing to someone else. It doesn't take much, but, uh, you know, you, you should consider doing that, which leads me into uh, the topic that we are discussing. Um, this past weekend was an interesting weekend in the city of Detroit where um, testers gathered outside of a church uh, I think the name of the church is Triumph Church, and protesters gathered outside of the church demanding accountability, demanding that the church reinvest in the community and get active in the lives of the people in the neighborhood surrounding the church. Now, you would think that <laughs> they would be doing that <laughs> already, but apparently this is not the case. Now, uh According to, and I got this story from PimpPreacher.com, uh, Church Folk Revolution, uh, TJ and the fellas over there, the people over there, they did a, they they had that posted on their on their site, and also uh, a couple other places I saw it, but there's a link uh, somewhere. I I I, uh, I shared it on my Facebook page, but there's a link to the actual protest that took place. And I thought it was pretty interesting. The guys who were there, the, the leaders of the protest, speaking through uh, a megaphone, uh, pretty much said that the church, the community needed that church. Now, the pastor of Triumph Church, and I want to get this name right, um, Solomon Day, uh, W. Kenloke, I think that's right. But anyway, they gathered at his um, they gathered at his east location in Detroit, and according to uh, uh, what I'm reading, they have seven locations. Seven locations just in the city of Detroit. I don't know how a church can have seven locations in one city. I I just don't get it. Maybe they're not all in one city. Maybe, they're, but anyway, that's a growing trend, by the way. Uh, multi-site churches. Uh, it's gotten popular in the last seven years or so. You uh, and you basically all you do is you go and you sit in the auditorium, and there's a local pastor there, and that person does not preach. They simply put on the screen, and you know, by way of satellite, you get the you know the main sermon. Anyway, uh, so seven locations. So they went to the one uh, that's. That's, I guess it's the main sanctuary. I don't, I don't know. But they basically demanded that these members, as they were, now it's not clear if they were uh, beginning service or leaving service, but as as members were uh, uh, 
uh, on the on the campus. They were addressing these members and saying, "You're going here every week, and you're neglecting the very people in the very uh, in the neighborhood." Went on to say that there was, they know that they're neglect the church is neglecting the people in the neighborhood because there was a woman whose heat is off and right now she's in the cold. And so, you know, they felt they felt that the pastor and the church should be doing something more. And so <laughs> the question that people were asking is is and of course what I'm asking is is the black church what's does the black church really have a a, a part in the condition of black lives today, we talk about black lives matter, but yet when it comes to black unemployment rate, we are at about 12%, 10 to 12%, uh, which is the highest, it was as high as 16% unemployment. This is current, you know, this is current information. So we have the highest unemployment. We have the highest rate of HIV AIDS cases, new HIV AIDS cases, uh, of course, when it comes to education, there's a big education gap because a lot of black children attend public schools, and in many areas, public schools are failing. And when it comes to technology, that's a whole different thing. Um, um, in most communities, there's not broadband internet connection available, and even in my even in my neighborhood, <laughs> I I don't have the best. Because they don't, you know, we're in the hood. They figure we ain't gonna use it. And I, you know, I've been trying to lobby for them to. There's this new company that is, oh well, not a company that has suspended uh, uh, bigger fiber optics, whatever, high tech, top of the line. But it hasn't come to this area of the city yet. And why? Because we're in the hood. There are not many persons. In this part of the neighborhood, in my in my community where I serve, where I pastor, and where I live, that have internet access, if they ain't using their telephone and that data, they're not using the internet, you know, a broadband connection from the home. So, anyway, he was he was basically arguing that um, that the neglect of this local church, uh, Triumph Church, was part of the reason that the community, the neighborhood, was in the condition that it was in. And he was calling for the members and the leadership and the pastor of Triumph Church to be accountable, to reinvest in the black community, and to take the focus off the church, church growth, and basically be involved in engaging the lives of the people they're supposed to be called to. Now, I'm going to say, first off, as a pastor, my church takes leadership in it. We we went so far as to com- create a community development corporation focusing on reinvesting just on the streets that connect our church. Basically, uh, um, we have a prayer team. Well, we not a prayer team, but we have now a prayer walk that we do every day. Every day, there's a different set of streets that is directly around where our church is located uh, that we pray for specifically. Walk through or just, you know, if it's uh, 
if they're unable to walk, they're meeting here, they're calling out the streets by name, and we do that. But we also are reinvesting. We have now began regular fruit and vegetable giveaway, you know, distribution. And it's pretty good. Also, um, there's a high school, one of the uh, one of the uh, predominantly black high schools just two blocks west of the church. And we have been involved. We're not as involved as we were uh, for a number of reasons. But but our men of our church mentor in the schools, serve in the school systems, and and many of them, their children are, are grown, grown, and their grandchildren are grown, and they're doing this because they care for the community. And a lot of the children who attend our church come from the community. Matter of fact, most times I just like sitting out on the stairs of our church and across the street from our church we have a, a park with a swimming pool, basketball court and all that you know, playground. And I just go out there sometime when they're playing basketball, especially during the summer. We have members who uh during some weeks, a couple of days during the summer, they will actually have hot dogs and stuff ready and take it over there. That's the kind of stuff that we do. Now we're a local church. And we do that. But they're talking an argument of mega church that these mega churches are are consumed with nothing more but growth, growth, and more growth. And it's having a negative impact on the lives of the people in the community. Now, the reality is also is that a lot of these mega churches are moving out of the community that they were, you know, they once were in. And when you have something like Detroit, you know, you you, you have a opportunity, plenty of opportunity. Matter of factly, and and uh, when I think about this, you know, uh, I'm familiar with some members, you know, well, not some members, a member of the Detroit City Council, uh, Pastor Andre Spivey, who is happens to be an itinerant elder and pastor in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, and he is a councilman. For the city of Detroit has been for, I think, since 2009, I believe he was elected and got reelected a couple of years ago. But anyway, he uh, he serves as a liaison between community and organizations and stuff like that. And he is trying to, you know, he his his thing is outreach outreaching. Uh, of course, the city is scrapped for funds. There's a lot not a lot they could do. But the thing about it is, people are saying, how is it that these churches are still thriving? or at least given the appearance that they're thriving. How is it that these churches are still taking in uh, hundreds of thousands, some even millions of dollars a year, and not reinvesting it in the black businesses and to the, the communities and stuff like that? Or why is it that a pastor wants, you know, he wants to build a four or 5,000 seat auditorium just to say that he built a four or 5,000 seat Four or five thousand seat auditorium when they know they can't afford it, <laughs> or in the case of the good Reverend Doctor Creflo Dollar, purchases a sixty-five million dollar plane when his members will never see him or never get opportunity. You know they can't rent it, they can't lease it. It's going to be for his private use. But anyway, so the question is: Is the Black Church really contributing to the the the? what seems the destruction of the black community 
what what role have they played in? And I'm gonna be honest with you, we, since the 1960s and early 70s, the the black church and I, I say black church, and I know some people are going to argue that there's no difference. There's no black church, no white church. That's just one church. We are one body, and I, I I respect that, but I have to argue that there's never been one body. Paul wrote about that. <laughs> but there's always been a divisive church, a divided church. There's never been one all on the same page since the first century. There's never been. <laughs> it, it has not existed. It does not exist. And I know some people don't like hearing that, but, you know, there's always been ethnic churches. Always has been. You know, <laughs> from the beginning, there was the Jewish converts, the Messianic Jews. And then there were the Gentiles, and even amongst the Gentiles, there was division. So it's never been a single church. Now, if we believe and ascribe to the idea of Christ's return for his uh, bride without wrinkles, spot or blemish, then by that time, we should be a collective body. But that's not the case now, nor has it ever been. So when I talk about the black church, I'm speaking particularly toward this ethnic identity we know black church because we understand how black church should be. Black church, the black preacher is, you know, typically not going to be a a a um a laid back teacher. Now that's that's become a trend in the last twenty five years, but uh traditionally the black church, the preacher was <laughs> you know, you gotta had a little squall. You went in there and you expected even if they had if they sang nothing but hymns you expect them to be saying lively. You know, for example, uh, the, the Church of Christ, and particularly in the white and black church, I've been both of them. There's a difference in between the two. Even though they do not allow any type of instruments, you go to a, a black Church of Christ and you hear them sing a hymn, boy, they sound, they got that going and they're going to, it's lively, it's full, and, you know, then you know you go to a white church and it's a little more it's a little stiff, a little dry. But anyway, so that's what I mean by that. That's that's an idea. As a matter of fact, the black church has been parodied so much also that contributes to that. Think about the Blues Brothers movie back in the day, back in the uh, what was eighty one, eighty somewhere in there, and the Blues Brothers coming to the church. James Brown is the preacher. James Brown from the pulpit said, do you believe it? Can you believe it? Or something like that. And John Belushi, you know, his character, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost and he starts flipping and dancing and shouting in the church. And next thing you know, the whole church breaks out and they're shouting, they're dancing, they're doing all this lively stuff. <laughs> and that's what is expected when we think about the black church as far as worship. The other thing that when we think about the black church, we talk, we think about the base of social action and social justice. The black church was the center of it all. It, it was the school. It was the recreation center. It was the community center. It's where, you know, the lodge would meet sometime, you know, the Masonic Lodge, Eastern Star. Before they got built, they met in the church, members of the church. Deacons in the church, preachers in the church. And from that, we gained political power because they knew that if they wanted to get elected, they had to come through 
you weren't going to get no endorsement. If you didn't go to a black church and show your face, Republican or Democrat, it didn't matter. So the idea of the black church being connected to the community and where it was located was big. And that's not the case now. That is not the case now. A lot of a lot of members do not live in the community where they attend church. So they don't feel vested into that community. You know, especially now some people will drive past other churches to go to the church that they want to worship at. And and when I say they drive, I mean, some people will drive as far as hours away just to go to church, give their money to a, a, a church and drive and, you know, see neighborhoods that are in depressed states of existence and be like, well, ain't nothing I can do about it. And yet their church that they attend, the pastor could, you know, maybe some are salaried. And this was an argument somebody made. Uh, with Fertick and T.D. Jakes and um, Rick Warren, that these guys do not take salaries from their church. They live off the royalties of their particular um, uh, ventures. And that, that may be true, but the reality is, before those ventures became prosperous, they used the church to fund those ventures. That And that was the case with... Um, What's his name from uh, Mars Hill Church? You know, the story was that his church actually purchased the book so he could be a best time, a New York Times best-selling author. And you know, it, so when we're talking about investing and um, in, in community, we have to really pay that. I think I got a caller. Hold on. Hello, caller. Did you want to make a comment? Yes, I did. Hello, how are you? I'm calling from New York. Um, okay, uh, can you turn? Uh, you got a bit of an echo. Okay, hold on. Is that better? Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Still too loud? No, it's just an echo. But it'll, it'll okay. be all right. I can hear you. Maybe it's the wrong one. But one of the issues I have with the black church today is the problem, one of the problems is we're too busy caught up on things, prosperity, you know, the way I look, the way I dress, the what I drive, what house I live in. You know, the struggle is not like it was back then when our parents were growing up and they they were crying out for other things. They was crying out for souls. They was crying out just to have a decent meal on the table. You know, the struggle was different. Nowadays, you look at what's going on in the church, they worry about the church itself and not the souls that sit in those cubes. They worry about the building. Oh, we got to pay this and we got to do that. But yet, at the same time, I'm a member that if I don't get my soul right, I'm going to be lost in eternity. And those are some of the things that they are forgetting, that it's not about 
building the building. It's about building the church and the church are the people. Because if our bodies is the temple of the Lord, that is the church he wants to build. You know, I, I completely agree with you. And and this is where uh we miss it so much. Um in the and, and I go back to this this idea of church growth. I've been in pastoral ministry over twenty years now. And one of the things that I fell prey to was this idea that if I grew my church numerically, then, you know, things would be better for the church. And so I was going to church growth seminars, subscribing to all these ideas and books and things like this. Then I realized, well, the church was never. Yeah, yeah. when Peter preached, 3,000 people joined in one day. According to the scripture, uh, but mm-hmm. but but reality is, um, whether we grow numerically or not, as a local body, a local fellowship, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, so that we can empower, encourage, and enable others to go out and carry out the gospel message, the gospel mandate to go preach, teach, baptize, um, and, and make disciples. We're not making disciples. Matter of factly now, and this is the issue that they're having with mega churches, you can go to a mega church and never have to do anything. Just write your check, enjoy the service, the music, and the preaching, and go home and never have to feel engaged. Or, you know, they'll ask you to be a part of a ministry. Well, you know, if they got 50 ministries <laughs> that they have going on, those may be good things. There's still a disconnect because you're doing a ministry in the church that may never may not necessarily be doing anything in the community. So, mm-hmm. and, and nice. those are just those are just some things that we are missing as pastors because and, uh, the idea that we are called to be servant leaders first and not church growers. And in my Zion, uh, we have to make a report every year of how many how many people were converted, how many people were baptized, uh, how many people joined. And, you know, sometimes it may only be five or six people, but we celebrate the five or six people who come. The um, angels do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, again, you, uh, churches today, both black and white, uh, have this sense of divestment from some reason from the community, and it's it's very very dangerous to the black church because to black community because it was replaced the idea of a community was replaced by uh, entitlement programs by the funded by the government, mm-hmm. and you just think about the uh, benevolent society. <laughs> Uh, back in the day, um, my family and many other families were part of a burial society. You paid into it, and you knew folk. Everybody knew, um, you know. Or, like I use this other example with fraternal organizations. Most of the persons involved in those fraternity organizations, fraternal organizations, were part of local churches, and they kept the local pastor uh, in tune with what was happening. In the community, and that doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, Carla, yeah. I appreciate you. 
I appreciate your call. Thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts. I appreciate it very much. Okay, thank you. But uh, you know, and I, I say this as, as I um as I as I get ready to close out this show. We have the black church, the black past black pastors. We have a large responsibility to serve the present age, our calling to fulfill. We have a great responsibility to go out into the neighborhood and be empowering. I know my neighbors know me. They know I'm the pastor of New Bethel Amy Church. They know when I'm here. They know where, you know, they, they know my pet. My dog and I walk through the neighborhood. They're familiar. They see me, and they come to the church because they know me. We have breakfast every Sunday at the church. Anybody can walk off of the street and eat, and I tell you, they do, and it's wonderful. We have children who, you know, we minister to that are not members of our church, but whenever we have a planned activity, we like, for example, you know, we had something for Halloween weekend. And I was glad to see kids from out of the neighborhood come and enjoy the games and the fun. You know, it gave them a sense of uh, community. And that's that's what it's all about for me. Um, now, if I ever be a me- megachurch pastor, I pray that I can stay as in the same mindset. <laughs> you know, I, I, like I said, being in ministry over, over, over pastoral ministry over 20 years, and all in in the ministry together almost thirty years, I have garnered a great sense of appreciation for my role as pastor. And I was mentored by some great preachers. Great preachers. I I saw them in the field. I saw what they did. I saw the labor that they put in. You know, even some who are full time bivocational pastors. I saw that. So it it was. It was it was great and it's impacted me and affected how I serve ministry now. Well, I guess that was the that was the theme for me to let me know it's time for me to get out of here. And I am because uh it's a long day. If they if you're in in uh the Jackson area, I wanna or Vicksburg area, Mississippi area, I wanna invite you to come out uh beginning this evening, uh to the Eighth Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, our post conference planning. Convocation, come on out. It's at Bonner Campbell Complex, Religious uh, Complex in Edwards, Mississippi. You'll be blessed, I tell you. I know I will. And again, those of you who are in the South Louisiana area, I want to invite you to attend uh, St. John Baptist Church Thanksgiving Revival at St. John Baptist Church in Kinder, Louisiana. It's going on uh, beginning tonight and going on to Friday and sharing the outreach that they're going to be doing there. So, until next time, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I got to get out of here. You guys be blessed. <laughs>